Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. I'd like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Please say together with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship is from Patrick Murfin's We Build Temples in the Heart. Today, let us be that stable. Let us be the place that welcomes the lost, the weary and rejected, the pilgrim stranger, the coming life. Let not the frigid winds that pierce our inadequate walls of our mildewed hay or the fetid leavings of our cattle shame us from our beckoning. Let our outstretched arms be a manger so that the infant hope swaddled in love, may have a place to lie. Let a cold beacon shine down upon us from a solstice sky to guide us, the seekers who will come. Let the lowly shepherd and all who abide in the fields of their labors lay down their crooks and come to us. Let the seers, sages, and potentates of every land traverse the shifting dunes, the rushing rivers, the stony crags, to seek our rude frame. Let the herdsmen and the high lords kneel together under our thatched roof to lay their gifts before wonder. Today, Today let, let us, us be, be that, that stable. stable. People ask, what holds your congregation together when you have people whose roots are in Christianity and others whose roots are in Judaism, Buddhism, Humanism, the earth-based traditions, Hinduism, how do you all call yourselves Unitarian Universalists and point yourselves in the same direction? And we can say one of the things that holds our community together is our mission, and we say it every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. We're so glad all the children are here with us in our service today. I want to show you something that the grown-ups do when you've gone back to your classes, and that is that we have a time of centering, which means that we find this little still place in the middle of ourselves where we can be quiet and let our worries go. So put your hand on your heart the way we start is we all take a deep breath together. And you can do this anytime you're worried. And then you put another hand on your belly. And breathe deep, deep, deep. I tell the grown-ups to find that still place in their heart where they are who they are. We all worry so much about so many different things. It's important to learn 
how to be strong in the world. Part of being strong is to know when we can do something about something and when we cannot do something about something. We just have to stand there and be strong until it becomes clear what to do. And getting quiet and breathing deeply is a good way to be able to listen to the wisdom that lives inside you. And now you're invited to light candles of joy, candles of sorrow, candles of remembrance. At the Christmas pageant last year, I think it was, maybe the year before that, we had two Batmen at the manger. Someone saw the picture on my Facebook page and wrote, you can't, there's no Batman at the manger. And I wrote back, well, there's a lot we don't know about what actually happened. There's very slender historical evidence for the fact that Jesus lived, much less whether he was married to Mary Magdalene or whether they had children or whether he went to India for 10 years, the lost years of Jesus. It's all speculation, and people do with it what they want because God doesn't apparently strike you dead when you lie about him. But odds are against there having been Batman. The baby in the manger is a soul story. It's a faith story. It doesn't matter so much whether it's a, an historically true story in its details. It's an archetypal story. It's, it's the story of when God became a baby. And when you think about a baby God... All kinds of insights open up. You think, my goodness, I would be so nervous if I thought God were the baby next door or a baby in downtown Detroit or a baby in, uh, in the Central African Republic or a baby in, in Syria. I would feel so crazed with worry about that baby making it and And the story is of a baby who was dropped down into a very dangerous situation and survived unharmed. There are just a few stories of his childhood. We we don't know what happened, and yet we know that if, if God... Is a baby. Just think about it. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. You don't. You don't have to be scared of him yet. You haven't disappointed him yet. She needs you to cradle her. She needs you to wrap her little fingers around your hand. She needs you to feed her and keep her safe. Think about that as you think about you and the divine. 
If we say God is love and God is light, think about a baby light and a baby love. Some of us have have felt a baby love, and we've seen it grow and grow deep and rich and strong. And we've seen a love neglected grow cold. We think about the baby, and we think about how all of the divine is wrapped up in this tiny seed, like the oak trees in an acorn, or like all the tomato plants in the tomato seed. We think of how full of possibility that baby is. And then we think, aren't all babies that full of possibility? As we cradle them, as we watch their little faces and hold their little hands, we are careful with them and we delight in them. And maybe this is a story of the soul entering the body as the divine spark comes to the earth. Maybe it's a story of our soul in our body and how endangered it is unless we care for it and nurture it. And it is in our belief heritage to believe that the soul is a divine seed, a part, a spark of the divine inside us that we care for. So I think of that spark of the divine and how I can protect it from the forces of power over that show up in this faith story. And I think about the forces of fear and control that threatened this baby and that threaten your soul and the light killing, love killing power of all of the forces of the universe that tell us our worth is and how much we can buy and how much we can work and how beautiful we look. So I wish for each of you at this time of the rebirth of the light, that the light be reborn in you and that love be cradled in your heart. Think about Antoine Saint-Exupéry saying, the seed haunted by the sun never fails to find its way between the stones and the ground. All we have to do is be haunted by the sun and we will find our way. Today we are a family, a community, gathering not only to enjoy an old story, but also for the feeling of being together. We have lit our chalice as a symbol of the light that people before us have celebrated forever and that the light that shines within each of our souls. However it is expressed, it is a time of joy. The season of winter solstice has been celebrated in one form or another for thousands of years. A hundred different cultures have told stories about how the birth of their gods took place at this time of year, or how light, hope, and life are returning to the world and to our lives. This this, uh, morning, we will present the version of the story written by Christians, which is part of our American and Western culture, whether we are Christians or not. And it is in this story of a special baby, a child of God as all babies are, a child called Jesus. And today the story is wrapped not only in swaddling clothes, but also in wonderful music and the greenery, fake and real, the holly and the ivy, the candles, the music and merriment 
that are all a part of this season and have been long before Christianity was born. Like our next carol, deck the halls with boughs of holly. Now this is the Christmas story. It happened long, long ago in a faraway land. A man and a woman named Joseph and Mary had to make a journey to the city of Bethlehem because there was a new law that said everyone had to return to the city where they were born to pay their taxes. Joseph was very worried about Mary taking this trip as she was going to have a baby very soon. But Mary wanted to be with her husband for the birth of their first child. It was a very long trip to Bethlehem, three full days of walking and walking and walking and walking. Mary was so glad when she saw the rooftops of Bethlehem in the distance. Joseph, she said, let's stay at the very first inn we come to. I think our baby is almost ready to be born. But when they got to Bethlehem, they found the little town crowded with people. They stopped at the first inn they came to and knocked on the door. But the innkeeper told them, I'm sorry, there is no more room here. They continued to look for another end. <laughs> At the next end, the innkeeper said, We're full. Try the place three streets over. It's bigger. Joseph tried another place and another place and another place. And everywhere, it was the same story. Sorry, no room for you here. Finally, when it was almost nighttime, they saw a house at the edge of the town with a light in the window. Joseph knocked at the door and told the innkeeper, Please help us. We need a place for the night. My, babe, my wife is going to have a baby very soon, and I don't think she can travel any farther. And the innkeeper said, there's no room in the inn, but don't worry, we'll find some place for you. The innkeeper showed Mary and Joseph to a quiet little barn where the animals were. It was clean and warm, and it smelled like sweet hay. And on that very night, in that barn in Bethlehem, their baby was born. The angel of the Lord, it was a boy, and they named him Jesus Mary and Joseph wrapped him in a swath sodling cloth and made a little bed of bed for him in the hay. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This was from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. That night, like every night, there were shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem watching the flocks of sheep. The shepherds were surprised and amazed by a very bright light in the sky. And a strange psalm coming from nowhere and everywhere all at once. It was the angels and they were glorious. And after sharing the joyous news with the shepherds, the angels went to find the baby born in the city of Bethlehem and tell everyone about him. Mary and Joseph never saw those angels, but the angels saw them and their little baby and all said, what a beautiful child. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to the God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After the angels had gone away, the shepherds remembered what they had said, that a wonderful baby had been born and that they could find him by following the brightest star in the sky. So the shepherds said to each other, let's go look for that baby. They had no trouble finding the stable because of that bright star, and sure enough, There inside were Mary and Joseph watching over their little baby Jesus. And all the shepherds said very quietly, Oh, what a beautiful child. Then they went away and told everyone what they'd seen. And on this same night, Three wise men saw the bright star and said to each other, Look at that amazing star. It must be shining for something very special. The wise... Yes. (laughs) The wise men loaded up their camels with treasures and traveling supplies and followed the star all the way to Bethlehem. Jesus was only a few days old when the wise ones found him but they knew he was very special. They said, what a wonderful child. This this child will be our teacher. (laughs) And they gave the baby gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary and Joseph wondered for a long time about all these things that had happened when their child was born. Isn't it wonderful that all these people would come see our baby and give us presents for him? They don't even know him. When Jesus grew up, he was a courageous teacher, just like the wise ones said. And one of the most important things he tried to teach people was to love each other and to treat all people, even strangers, with kindness and care. 
And people who have tried to follow his best teachings have become better people and have spread light through their world, which is what we are here to do. Today we shared the Christmas story about one special baby, but this baby isn't the only special one. Every child is a treasure, is a wonder and a miracle. And as they grow up, they're always and forever a treasure, a wonder and a miracle. For so the children come, and so they have been coming, always in the same way they come. Each night a child is born is a holy night. Parents sitting beside their children's cribs feel the glory in the sight of a new life beginning. Each night a child is born is a holy night, a time for singing, a time for wondering, a time for worshiping. Let us now extinguish the chalice. As we extinguish this chalice this morning, let us carry in our hearts the fire of peace, love, and goodwill that is the miracle of Christmas. For the story is universal, and the story of this baby belongs to us all. Love and joy to you, and a very Merry Christmas, too. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.